I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are now tuned into the Underappreciated Podcast, and today... It's looking a little spooky, man. As you can see, we got some fog going on. My boy got me in here in a whole nother level. I got to introduce you to a legend in my eyes, you know what I'm saying? And soon to be a legend in your eyes. My boy, Samuel Gonzalez Jr., a legend. Oh. Director, producer, writer. You can tell him more about yourself than I could tell him. <laughs> You're doing great, man. Doing good. What's good going on, brother? Right? <laughs> Real Freddy handshake. Thanks for don't having me. Don't do this at home. This is very dangerous. Don't, don't, yeah, don't play with sure. this. Is the, I wear this on, uh, you know. Every day of the week, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much every day? All, all the time. That's crazy yeah. how we came, like... <laughs> oh, <laughs> we gonna, came I was going to use your glove, man. I'm admiring your glove. Awesome. <laughs> That's from a different movie, though. We got to give him, the, you know, it's a yeah, different movie. Yeah, this is part three glove. Part, part three? three glove, you yeah. see, I put the Freddy's on for you. I had to put the Freddy Cougar yeah. SBs on for you. I love the spooky style, man. Yeah, very rare. Uh, I'm a big fan of everything that you do. Thanks, brother. And your, your place is incredible. Like, this TV is monumental like what year is this tv this is 1963 this has seen the moon landing jfk assassination if this tv could talk it's got some stories the jfk know? assassination is crazy it's this is literally like show it this this screen showed that assassination at one point That's live which is crazy so the history behind this console is nuts so i'm stuck in the past man well, bro, I'm stuck in the past. Everything in my house is a blast from the past. Yeah, it's nostalgic, bro. It's nostalgic like, for sure. It's like it's so premium. But like, it stops in the '80s, right? Yeah. When 1987 hits, it's like time capsule. So, so including like, myself, I'm an '85 kid. By this being this the coolest, this, this might be my coolest interview. I'm gonna keep it 100 with you. Bro. Yeah. People at home, remember that they, they're listening. They're listening, right, <laughs> on the podcast, but they're not gonna be able to see this visual. This visual that we're seeing right now and that I'm experiencing. I'm a fan. You feel me? So I just, I'm happy to be here, bro. Thanks, man. Thanks. And like, I want, I want to be able to, I know a lot about you, but I really want them to know. Like, tell us, tell us about where you come from, like your background, you know what I'm saying? Your That's a nationality, saga. everything. That's a saga, brother. Give me, a, give me your keys, big. I need to it's get a the journey. exclusive. It's, a, it's exclusive. a journey. I'm, uh, a, a really condensed version is that, um, I was just telling one of your boys earlier, I'm, I'm Hispanic filmmaker. Um, I'm like Panarican, Panamanian, Puerto Rican. Fire. Boricua. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <All> sir. <the> <laughs> uh, 
Bronx. And uh, from the Bronx, born and raised in the Bronx. In the Bronx? Yeah. I'm from the Bronx. I'm a New Yorker. I'm from Palm Bay Park. Uh, Dang. I'm from <laughs> That's crazy. My guy's from the Bronx. Yeah. It's the first time I've ever heard this. Though, yeah. By the way. And so if you guys are listening, we literally just pounded our Freddie. We pounded Freddie. If you didn't, if you didn't never see seen it, this. hear it. This is what it sounds like. <laughs> That's a Freddie Glove pound. And then y'all hear this, guys. This is very rare right here because I don't think anybody's ever done this. A whole interview with Freddie Gloves is yeah, One more picture of that. That's epic. Yeah. Ready? <laughs> done. Yeah, um, so. But yeah, born in the Bronx, raised in the Bronx. I'm literally born in the same hospital as Stanley Kubrick. And I was raised in the same neighborhood of the Bronx that Stanley Kubrick was raised in. We grew up like literally three, blo- three or four blocks away from each other. We. Wow made our same our features at the same year and we moved to California in the same years of our lives. We're only like 50 years apart, but we like trail crazy. each other. And he's my favorite director of all time. Wait, that's why you're gonna be a legend in your own. Oh man, I can only, uh, only, only wish to be uh, one of the greats one day, but I, uh, my goal is just to get some great stories out there, great films out there. Where you and scare be? the hell out of people at the same time while I'm at. That's the best part about the whole thing. I mean, you have Fog coming in here naturally. I've never seen, I've never been in no set where Fog was just in here. Yeah, Fog just kind of travels with me as I walk. Like, like, I'm <laughs> I didn't know what was going to come out. Effects up, effects up. <laughs> I didn't know Jason was going to come out and stab me. I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, yo, <laughs> see, see this man got a special effects inside his crib. Like, <laughs> this is bugged out. <laughs> so, like, yo, let, let's, get, let's get to the nitty gritty, man. Let's, let's, do it, let's, let's, do it. let's talk. Let me get into my, my Malcolm X. Like, you feel me? So, we're going to go right here. What is your favorite? Horror movie of all time. Ooh, dude, you can't just put it down to one movie. That's ridiculous. You have to. Oof. I, I, I won't say one movie, but I'll say it like this. If, like, The Shining mm-hmm. and Reanimator had a baby, and somehow that baby, like, met, like, Silence of the Lambs, and then that baby and that baby somehow, like, <laughs> fucked. <laughs> This that would be the ultimate movie for me. That's what that would be the ultimate. So I can't say one movie. It's more you like understand a hybrid. that Reanimator and that bo- both of those movies together will be probably the most bloodiest movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, just be a bathtub of blood. Like. Psychological torture. But you know what? Like most horror films, most people think that horror is like splatter or like gore and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's not. That's not necessarily true. Like to me, even though it's not a horror film, like my favorite film of all time is Clockwork Orange, and that is a horror that movie was in a, my eyes. Yeah, like, that's that not was, a horror film, but. To me, it is because of the hor- horrific natures of like our lead our lead character, what he does. Mm-hmm. It's like terrifying. But the real true horror is the realest horror. Is the scariest horror to me. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. thriller, thr- like a thriller esque horror. Because yeah. I like gore. I- I'm a big fan of gore. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? We've seen some exclusive movies together that the world has to wait to see. I'm oh, not going to speak about can't that. Can't wait. But I won't say about it. But yeah, but you we've know, been man, in a pool of blood we've together. Been, we've been yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some intense front row seats. <laughs> front row seats are some intense. But uh, you're right. But you're right. Like I think horror, horror film. The real horror films come from life. Horror comes from life. Yeah. That's real terrifying. You know, because we're all like kind of like phased out with like splatter and blood it's fun it's a roller coaster but the true horror films come from life that's right. the real terror it's the yeah. art i think the art of it is uh misinterpreted and then not i don't think i don't think it's been, i don't know i don't think it really gets this like due due diligence you know what i'm saying like the thing the original thing classic masterpiece classic yeah. masterpiece yeah and sci-fi i think sci-fi and horror is like close to yeah. the same thing that's you your know? favorite I mean, I like a mixture. I like Alien. I'm an Alien Predator yeah. type so, of guy. So you like, you like Freddy? You... Fuck me up. I'm not gonna lie to you, Freddy. <laughs> this is me facing my fear right now because I was sleeping in my mother's bed. I'm not even gonna lie to you. And then it was from either Freddy and Candyman. Candyman. Can't even talk about Candyman. Man, I don't want to see him. You know, living in the Bronx, how it was. Yeah, right. Like the project. It looked like it. It really does look like Caprini it. Caprini Green is the Bronx. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, for real, for real. Like. Yeah, that's a great film. Absolutely. The original. Yeah, it's, a, it's terrifying to this day. So. I don't really care too much about the the, the new one. one. I don't. I like talking about it by the directors. But not, not. No disrespect. No disrespect. No disrespect because own, it's, there's some art in that. There's some. Yeah, art in there was some pieces in it. I like yeah. the actor and the style. The style was it was beautifully shot. Yeah, it was stylistic, but for me. Tony Todd, that's his name? His name is Tony Todd, right? Legend. If he yeah. was to talk right now, everybody that everybody at home, everybody that's watching us, 
Even my even my people that's here watching us record this will be out of here. <laughs> if you were to talk right now, <laughs> the cameras to start dripping blood all of a sudden. Yeah, he talks right. It's the scary. <laughs> and he's the sweetest the guy in the world too. When you meet him, he's you awesome. met him before? Yeah, yeah, he's a sweetheart. Yeah, that's crazy. So it's so funny. All those horror legends are like soft spoken. They're like, I don't know about you, man. <laughs> well, look, I'm gonna tell you something that I've seen because. I watched a few of your short films, uh, Miniature, one of my favorite. Oh. I saw Miniature, that was uh, crazy to me. Uh, thanks, and, then I, and then I'm going to keep it real. American Horror Story, you robbed my guy. And I'm going to say it right <laughs> now, I don't care. I didn't say, I have anything, nothing to do with I this. I don't care. <laughs> I'm saying it, you feel me? I'm a big fan. I give credit when credit's due, and that's what it is. So I, I mess with American Horror Story. I like your shows and, and all of that stuff. But you got to give my boy his credit, man. You know that. Yeah, you know they, them dolls and the miniatures from, from they, my they guy. They took a peek. They took a miniature peek. Yeah, I seen it. I seen it a while ago. I saw it a while ago, and I'm watching it, and I'm literally at the crib like, nah, they're not going to do my guy like that. Hold on. <laughs> like, you're not about to do him like that. Yeah, thanks, man. We shot that really quick, too. It was like, I think two days, or not even, right? I don't remember. What was the budget on that? One day. It was, it was one day? We did it in a day? Wow. One day shoot? I surprised myself when I shot it. I directed it. Yeah. <laughs> Most of my horror shorts I do in a day, you know, but they look huge. They look big in scale. And, it was crazy how they yeah. look. You know? The whole miniature set. Your, your, your intro was better than a lot of people's movies I've seen. Oh, cool. You had miniature cars, literally small miniature cars and, and people and all of that. And then it goes, the way it went in, the drone into the world. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe it. And when it was I, wild, right? It was wild. wild. I don't, don't want to mess it up for people. That you got to watch it at home. I'm dropping links all in this right here. Like, you got to watch <laughs> my boys thing at home because it's crazy. Yeah. This whole thing. It's a fun piece. It's a fun piece. And actually, like, you know, between, like, between us and all your listeners, mm -hmm. I, I was, when, it, when we finished the film, I wasn't like 100% like, happy with it. Yeah. I was like, oh, you know, I, I, we only shot it in a day. I, I didn't really get to put my vision out there the way I really wanted to. Mm -hmm. Very little money. N none. Uh, and it's, what was the budget it, on that? If, I, if you don't, man, I don't remember, but it was like nothing. I think it was like a, a fifteen hundred or two k or something like that. Wasn't it something like that? Like, almost nothing. Yeah. It was almost. If y'all see this, the, it was the lowest. I'm not gonna was. lie. Even after this, my people, we gonna have to watch this after. Y'all gotta watch this. Take, watch the trailer, you know, alone. It's ridiculous. It's but ridiculous. It's a wild piece, but it's the fact that I was never really hundred percent happy with it, mm -hmm. and it's the it's the, it's the one film that wins like all the awards. It gets in all the festivals, and I'm always like. What? What do you guys? You know, it's it has it, it it has this essence. It makes people really uncomfortable, and it opens up the world to a place that they've never seen before. So right. when they watch it, they get really unsettled and they love it. So I'm like, all right. So I was too close to it to see that. So it's interesting from an artist perspective. Mm -hmm. You'll splatter some paint on a wall and be like, it's just not the right color. And then you come back with the real color, and everyone's admiring the color. Right. And, and this is great. People, yeah, some people like, do. They splatter paint, what? and they be like, it's, it's a Basquiat. It's perfect. <laughs> You're like, bro, it's not. It's not fire. It's, it's not hard. It's, it's not done. So I was like, you know, that was an, that was the first time that I was like, you know, art really is, you know, subjective. Yeah, it's definitely subjective. A hundred percent. Because I was like, I really didn't finish. I was on my way to bring back more paint. But, but it makes okay, I love it. <laughs> it makes so it makes so much sense how good your stuff is. Because I'm like, now nah, now that I know you from the Bronx, the Bronx keeps creating it. Yeah, it's a fact. That's a part of me forever. It's a part of our DNA. Yeah, that's the it. Bronx is like literally a character in its own way. It's, it's like, literally it, it, its own it, character. It's a soul. You know? Damn, dog. But yeah, I grew up in the Bronx. I moved away when I was young. Going back to that, I, mm -hmm. I grew up in Florida mostly. Yeah. You know, what part of Florida? Orlando, Miami. Yeah, wow, that's crazy. Between the two. I, li I lived in Orlando for a while. Yeah, we're Orlando kids. Yeah, I was living in Orlando for a while, and then I moved down to Miami, but I was like Look at that. doing an Orlando run around, and wow. that's crazy. Our, our whole paths is like exactly. Dude, we probably passed each other so like many times. It's like tandem. Because I, I went from Miami, Miami to Orlando, so we passed each other probably. Now it makes sense why we both just came on set with uh, Freddie. I knew I saw some guy <laughs> driving past me with a glove. I knew it. <laughs> I almost you? stabbed myself driving, like, yo, you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> Man, no Did shit. you see that guy? Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, I left Florida when I was like 19. Look, I, I wanted to make movies since I was about five years old. Mm -hmm. I, even in the Bronx or in Miami, I was always making like homemade movies with, yeah. my, with the neighborhood kids, always. My, mom, my parents got me this camera, and I was always making these movies. And they were terrible little movies. But you could, my parents were like, not artists at all. Mm -hmm. Zero artists in my house, like none. So they're just like, what did, what did we make? Right. Our kid is weird, you know, and I'm an only child. But you didn't have no resources though. No, you no don't understand resources. the resources in the Bronx is like. Nothing. I had no, I had nothing. You have to have literally imagination. Your imagination has yeah. to be everything. Yeah, that's all it was in movies, man. Like just we had this little mom and pop shop, and that's where I used to, you know, just go to the old movie stores and just and I would live in the horror section. Mm -hmm. I lived in the horror section. I think the kids can't do that today. 
they'd be like, uh, get out of there, you know? Right. My parents were like, hey, as long as we know the Blockbuster era. Oh, yeah. Before <laughs> Blockbuster, there was like these rinky dink, scary, <laughs> scary <laughs> video stores at like Triple X yeah. curtains. Well, in, in the, the back, back, you talk about the Triple X curtains the in the back. back. I'd be like, yo, what's going on in there? I need to rent one of those. My yeah, mom's like, like, yo, if you don't cover your eyes, <laughs> you got to cover your that eyes. That was the one thing they, they're like, you can, you can rent violence, you can rent any of the nasty Everything. shit you want, but don't go back don't go in to that the curtain. curtain. And I'm like, I know they got some freaky deaky yeah. shit going on. Did they got horse shit back there? Right. <laughs> no, crazy. they closed me out, but. That I grew up in, I grew up in those video shops, and, and movies basically like helped raise me, you know, because mm-hmm. I had no siblings, I was the only child. So movies were like, you know, my, you know, my, my way, my, my, yeah, my whole go-to. And um, so I started making films when I was five, but I didn't really um, know how to get into the industry. I didn't really know how to break in. It's really hard to break in. Like, who mm-hmm. do you know? Where do I start? Especially in LA. Especially in LA. So you're like, if you're in a, uh, uh, you know. Aspiring filmmaker, you're, you've got doors all over you, and you're like, where do I open? Right. One door is gonna lead to like a pitfall, and the other door will lead to nothing. It's like it's like the labyrinth. You ever seen labyrinth? Yeah. Labyrinth. It's like pick crazy. the door, and one door will lead to like the pit, and the other one will lead to maybe something. Like that's how it is when you first start out. Where do I go? Um, so I I didn't have any money to go to film school. I didn't have any support, so I joined the military. That wow. was like that was like my first like look. I need to get. To film school. What part of the military? What part of the military? What did you do? I joined the army. The army? When I was about 19, 20 years old. You know, Mm -hmm. I graduated high school and then I, you know, did odd jobs and I tried to, you know, earn money, but it never worked. And uh, I was just like, it's time to get out of here. You know. What what position did you play? Infantry. I was uh, I was military police, Mm -hmm. which was basically infantry because I joined during a time of war. And you still oh so during the Iraq and all of that stuff. Yeah. So I did two tours in Iraq. I was in boot camp for five months, and then like I was in Iraq within a month. It was crazy. I never, I, I, I never dealt with that. I got my my cousin was in the in the war, but he was infantry. But I don't think I don't think he seen anything too crazy because he didn't come back flipping on me. You know what I'm saying? But he seen. You know what I'm saying? Like we all come back a little, you know, a little different. You know? know? Yeah, Mm -hmm. we really do. You know? I mean, talk about horror. That's that's. I've literally been to hell and back. That's true horror. And you you saw it. That's a true real life horror. What happens? And I lost a lot of two of my best friends in front of me, what? on two different ambushes. So it was Damn, like it, it, it messed me up. It messed all of us up, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, something special happened out there in the middle of this horrible, bloodiest time of the war, where my camp was so close to the enemy that we couldn't even have like lights on at night because they would bomb us. So it was it was a really bad time. The morale was really low. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, after my, my best friend was killed, you know, my, my ten- condolences to my wife. Thanks, brother. Yeah. I appreciate that. You know, I talk about him every day because mm-hmm. he's a part of me forever, right. you know, because he saved my life. And um, so he knew. He always used to look at me in the tent. We'd be in the tent and choose. We called him choose. But, you know, I'd be like on my little MacBook, you know, like editing footage of what I shot. And the day he's like, why are you in the army? You should be out there doing this stuff. I was like. So you was messing with the stuff, the film stuff? While you was in the army? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the difference. Yeah. I was putting together footage because I had my weapon, I had my rifle, and I had a camera on me at all times. And more often than not, I always, I always turned to the camera, you know, uh, you know no matter what was happening. I'd always turn to, because like, you, you got one weapon. You mm-hmm. got a weapon that has a, a button that destroys, and right. you got a camera that has a button that creates and captures life. And um, I, wanted, I, I chose the, the latter every time. Wow. Except for the night that we were ambushed and I, I had no choice to turn to the weapon. No. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is safe. It's a place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For example, it's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who experience major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GamePresents today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash GamePresents. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to Stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. That's different insane. story. Different story. Yeah, but, that's insane. But uh Yeah, he has some real heartfelt, real stuff going on out here, man. All the people that go to war and all that stuff, that's just real life, man. Like, God bless y'all for doing that, man. Cause that's 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 crazy. You gotta have yeah. some real balls to do that. Cause your boy, not me. I'm not fucking with it. <laughs> that ass, I can't. I ain't built like that. I'm a lover, not a fighter. I can't be outside like that, me. <laughs> to all I to can't. all my brothers and sisters serving. Yeah. Today. Listening to this overseas, mm-hmm. back home, like, God bless you. Stay together, stay tight, take care of each other, and keep listening because um, inspiration will keep you alive. You know, mm-hmm. listen to one another, take care of each other. Very important, you know, because we come back, I know we come back a little messed up, but hold on to the person next to you. Listen to people around you, and they'll lead you to some great places. Yeah, you know? that shit, that, that soon will still pass. Everything passes. Everything passes, sure. yeah, always, you know. And uh, I know it's tough, especially for us that came back all messed up, and we saw some terrible things, mm-hmm. um, you know. And a lot of the, a lot of veterans don't have the, uh, the support line to, like, you know, they you turn. They reach out to nobody. They don't have anybody. Like they turn to alcohol, drugs, or they, they commit suicide. You know, uh, you know, several soldiers a day commit suicide. That's insane. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, um, every day, you know. and. So like that, I was I was fortunate enough to come back and have a, a, an amazing support line mm-hmm. um, that helped me you know pursue what I, I mean I I came back and I went right into film school I, I ran into the film school I was like I'm, I made it and that made you hella busy too though when you got into film school that like how was that process getting into film school? oh man as soon as I got into film school from the war it was like you ever seen Shawshank Redemption yeah you ever seen that that scene of Andy Dufresne crawling you out of the tunnel? He was going through the tunnel. Yeah, the tunnel. Literally, by the time he gets out and he falls into that shithole and he like goes up and the rain is on <laughs> yeah, him, that was crazy. me in film school. And everyone's like, "What's wrong with this guy?" I was like, "You have no idea how long it's been where <laughs> Dude, I've been." Like, I'm here. I've been working on this shit my whole life. My whole and life. Now I'm here. I'm free. I almost died and all yeah. this stuff, and y'all don't even know. Totally. And I'm like, I'm here to kick ass. Like I landed in that like like a paratrooper. I landed on that ground. And like, let's go. You know, crazy. let's go. Everyone was doing their assignments, but I, like all the assignments were like, they were doing little things. They were like, every filmmaker was doing like small projects. And I was like, mm-hmm. mine would be like 1930s pieces, period cars, period yeah. wardrobes, huge sets, big stories. And he's like, that's just a one assignment. I was like, I'm, I'm here to make some fucking noise. Right. And you're like, this is me, man. I'm about to be the biggest to ever, one of the biggest to ever do it. For sure. So me, in that school, me and Michael Bay have the record for the largest set in Directing 2 class. I just want to put that on record. That was amazing. He beat me, but not by you much. You and Michael Bay? <laughs> y'all know who Michael Bay is at home? I don't know if y'all know who Michael Bay is. Transformers, Bad Boys. Everything. Armageddon. Uh, yeah, the Rock. Yeah, The right? Rock. That's one of the best action movies ever Classics. made. Classics. So good. Bad Boys. Uh, yeah, but, he had to put that on record. You see, talk to my boy nice, man. He's not normal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's not normal, On man. record, that there was a class, right? There yeah. was, there's, a, there's a class called Directing 2. It was really tough because this school is brutal. You have mm. to do a short a week. What film school was it? It's called Art Center College of Design in Pasadena. Mm. A, Michael Bay graduated from there. Zach Snyder, Roger Avery, who wrote uh, Pulp Fiction. Jeez. And um, uh, Irving Kirshner, um, who did uh, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back. 
uh, and gosh, every, there's so many filmmakers that come out of that school. Um, but uh, great school, just they really push you into real life industry standards. Mm -hmm. So you don't sleep when you're in that school. Everyone comes out with severe anxiety and panic attacks because you are like pushed. They, it's not, it's not, an, it, yeah, it's not just a school to like learn. It's like they push you in the industry. So it's exhausting. I lived in the editing bays like for three years, you know, just getting my work out there. A short a week. A, a short, short a week. week they went? Yeah, that's that school. It's how brutal. many years though? Two, I, did, I graduated in two years and eight months, just under three years. But a short a week, two years and eight months, y'all do the math at home. That's not normal. No, it's not. It was exhausting. I, I definitely... That like, had me stressed out. I'll be like, yo, I don't want to watch movies no more. I'll be doing too much movies. I'll be like, yo, I'm tired. I can't even do I don't. This. I can't tell you how many times I went to the emergency room from like panic attacks and anxiety. For real? They're like, yo, they check you checking your pulse like... Yeah, I was like, no, doc, some, no, seriously, I can't swallow everything's right. It's like, that's that kid from film school. Get him out. I was like, no, no, this time for real, though. It's, 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 it's something that's happening on the side right here with my stomach. <laughs> There's something ain't right. And they're like reeling me out like fucking like Hannibal Lecter. I was like, you don't really trust me. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm truly ill. I'm really ill. They're like, nah, man, your body's just perfect, man. You're a strong dude, man. Yeah. You're healthy. Stop looking at screens all day. That's why. Great. It's like, okay. But anyway, directing two class <laughs> is a brutal class because what they do is in the middle of the classroom, they have like all the all the the students around you, mm -hmm. it's, uh, and you have to write, shoot, you have to write a, a short, a scene, and then you have to you have to direct it and shoot it within 15 minutes in front of the entire class live, and then you have to edit it the next day and release it like to screen. So your cast day. and everything, you have to pick it. Everything has to provide, be done. They provide your cast. The, no, you have to do all that and then come to the location, the class, and direct it in front of everybody. So of course, normal people are gonna do it very simple. Mm -hmm. Like, look, I'm gonna have a table, two actors, easy. Let's just do something simple. Right. I didn't do that. <laughs> so when, <laughs> so when I was doing mine, you know, I was waiting outside. We're all in a line, and the, the the student in front of me had like, I think he did like a diner scene, a restaurant scene. So it was like just two, three people in a in a in a booth. Mm -hmm. That's smart, that's safe, right? 15 minutes is not enough time to do a huge scene. You gotta right. do it quick. So when they comes out and they go, Sam, you're next, I had 20 extras waiting in the line. I had my two actors in 1950s clothing and I had two different art departments to basically change the sets. All in 15 minutes. All in 15 minutes. So as soon as they opened up the door, because they time it, I'm like, go, 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 go. I felt like and you're like, run the pyro. So everyone knew what to do, know, everyone knew what to do. Like it was crazy. And we shot this and it was nuts. It was a huge, it was a, it was a 1950s noir piece about a, a man who uh, hires uh, a hitman to uh, kill his lover's, uh, his wife's lovers at a, in a restaurant. So I like, it was, it, it was two different sets. It was a church, the, um, the warehouse where he hires the guy and then mm -hmm. the diner. So it was like three different sets actually. So you had to write minutes. it, you also wrote it, you wrote the whole thing as well? Like yeah, all yeah. the dialogue, everything? Oh, everything, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. So it was nuts. So that was, I hold the record right now. Oh, Michael Bay sold the record. So I did that, and then what he did is he built, he built a house in there, like a roof, mm -hmm. with a giant moon in the, in the room. So I was like, he all did right, that. Man. He did that. He, Show off. He did that in 15 minutes? 15 minutes, yeah. Oh, he's different. He put a whole moon inside there. It was like, yeah, I'll give you the world. I'll give you the world, the moon, the sun, <laughs> look, he came, everything he in came 15 out of minutes. School. I'm a legend. He came out of the school, like, you know, guns blasting. So that's what right. I wanted to do. And, and I mean, that's what you're doing. That's what I'm doing. And, well, I was, I was lucky. I was fortunate enough to, uh, because here's the thing, right? We'll talk about this. Like, I was in, I was in film school with a lot of great filmmakers. Mm -hmm. we're, all, we're all passionate. We're all there to kick ass. But... There's a lot of great artists out there, a lot of great filmmakers. How do you get noticed? How do you get your work out there, right? Mm -hmm. You could be the best filmmaker in the world and never be found. Correct. And because you need to have the talent, but you need someone to help you get to the front of the line. Yeah. There's too many people trying to get in. It's always like that. That's always. in every industry. Every industry. So rather you're Spielberg, you gotta have the Nolan, liaison. You gotta be plugged in. Always. So uh, like Spielberg, Nolan, Burton, all those directors always, all of them had the talent, but they all had someone that was already at the top of the line mm -hmm. walk through that line and be like, "Hey, come here, man. Let me take you to the front." Yeah, let's skip all these other dudes. Yeah, Even like, though other dudes can be great, though. They're great, but they did. They had something special. Mm -hmm. They they all had white shirts and they had red shirts. And like right. you're standing out. And that we you can do something. something. Yeah, we can mold you a little bit, turn you into something crazy. Every single one of them had that. And everyone needs that. Because there's too many people trying to get in. Right. So I was lucky enough to have that happen to me at the school. Sick. And I had someone find me. 
And um, so it was, uh, it was two people. It was uh, Academy Award nominated um, editor, um, Terrence Malick's and Oliver Stone's editor. Well, he did like, man, God, he edited Beverly Hills Cop, Woo. Top Gun, Woo. Tree of Life. Uh, God, just, the list goes on and on. He's like a legendary, uh, Thin Red Line, uh, and he got uh, two nominations Academy Award. So he came to the school and he watched one of my shorts in an editing class that my editor showed him that and he goes, who directed this? See, that's how it starts, right? Yeah. And he's like, let me introduce you. The rest is history. He connected me with a, an amazing producer, Pressman, Ed, Edward R. Pressman, who did The Crow, American Psycho. And those two guys gave Bro, me my shot. You, you're saying all leg everything is legendary. Those are all legends. There's nothing that's normal. None of these movies, all these movies you're saying is all heavy hitters. Like yeah, like just legends. Wall Street, I mean, these, these are a hell of producers. And they gave me my shot. They took me out of film school. I graduated, mm -hmm. but they took me out and they gave me my shot and they showed me like the ropes and they mentored me for many years and you know gave me my opportunities and you know the rest is history. I'm on my way up, you know. And yeah, I you're on your way up but, for sure. They so, don't even know all your accolades. You got some serious accolades. It's it's been coming up, man. But you know, I'll say this: it's really just the people you know, but it's also my camp. Yeah. I have a wonderful camp. I have a great team of supporters, artists that work with me. They support my vision. Mm -hmm. We have a great relationship. I'm only as good as the team I work with. Just like a mountain climber can't climb alone. Right. You need to be able to climb with other climbers. Because I may have rope and tools to get us to the top, but I don't have any food to get me to the top. Right. I don't have the or right- the camping gear that we probably I don't have, have that. to stop. So we need everyone to come together. That's how we climb faster. And that's and the key to everything. You see, he's dropping some real gems to y'all right now. You know what I'm saying? That needs that's to happen. Anyone that thinks that they're gonna do it alone, that's a lie. Uh, and if they do make it to the top alone, it's because they burned some bridges to get there right. and they won't last. And then it's lonely. And then, it's, and then lonely. it's lonely. And then you're sad. You know what I'm saying? You're wondering why they're missing an action because they're sad. They're not happy. They got all that money and they're hurting. Yeah, they're Doing films and doing yeah. movies and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no, nobody wants to work with them. So take care of the people you work with. Take care of your camp. Be humble. Correct. Don't be an asshole. Right. And I, I promise you'll do well. But of course, there's more to it than that. But that's the core. Mm -hmm. You do that and people are going to want to work with you. So I learned that the hard way. <laughs> so this is another thing I wanted to learn because I, I do my little research, you know what I'm saying? I do my little digging. How did you get the Emmy? You got an Emmy nomination. How did you get that? Yeah, I got an Emmy nom. Um, so uh, while I was in film school, I was still in film school and I got my Emmy nom. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, was in, I was in the film school in Pasadena. Yeah. And the city of Pasadena is a huge window for film. For uh, they, they, most shows that you watch on, te on television today or most movies are shot in Pasadena. Mm -hmm. It's such a diverse, from ha Halloween is shot in Pasadena. I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought that was on the back lot. No, they, been, they shot yeah, stuff in the back lot, but mo every, everything that you see on the streets, her mm -hmm. house, anytime he's stalking Lori on the streets, Michael Myers, that's in Pasadena. I didn't know that. Right? So most films are shot in Pasadena, even the new Halloween, every, they're always shooting in Pasadena. Um, so it's just, it's such a diverse city. You can make, it looks like middle America, USA. They probably made, they probably made the sets based off of those houses out there. Yeah, probably. I mean, oh, if, you go, if, you, if you go, if you, if you, if you, yeah. Well, if you go to Pasadena, there's neighborhoods that look like Illinois or like, you know, middle of nowhere, USA really, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's really a beautiful place to shoot. And, um, so the city, the city is incredible for allowing Mo all Hollywood, stu the studio system to shoot there, permits, all that stuff. Right. And when I first came to film school, I knew that. I was like, oh, like even my student films, I need permits. So I went up to visit them at the permit office and it was like crazy. It's in, it's in City Hall and there was so much activity. You can tell it was like an industry, like, and I'm new. I'm like, uh, you know what? No one's gonna talk to me here. Let me come back. Right. So I came back with some donuts. I brought donuts and then they all started talking to me. Like this is a party, here's a gift for everybody. Yeah. I come with gifts. I made friends with through the donuts and then I really befriended like the president of the, the office at that time in 2011. Her name is Ariel Penn, she was amazing. She's since retired, but she was responsible for like giving permits to most Hollywood films and we became really close. So she hired me to shoot a film, a short documentary based on Silicon Valley moving into the city of Pasadena. Mm -hmm. And I directed and produced that mini doc and nice. it got submitted for the Emmys and I got a nomination for it. It's, wow. a, it's a beautiful piece. Yeah. Fire. Thanks man. So I never, I, I didn't even think you can get an Emmy based on that. Yeah. You know, I was like, wow, this is so surreal. Kobe, Kobe got an Emmy off of a short, didn't he? Was it, was that a short? Oscar. No, it was he, Oscar. He got an Oscar for it. He got an Oscar for short. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
for sure. Yeah. So there, there's, there's so the short game is a, is a whole game. Man. Oh yeah, and we're gonna talk about that if you guys want to talk about that. Yeah, there's no, a whole, I, I want to talk about. There's that. a whole avenue for shorts and and why they work still. Yeah. Even more so, they're coming back. You know, um, it's a great way in. I teach developing short films mm-hmm. and directing at UCLA. Wow. So we will, that's enough. The more you, yeah, you got I have layers, man. I'm like yeah, an onion. He's dropping, he's dropping a lot of sound bites <laughs> on y'all right now. Hey, you, you, if you want to contact my guy, you know, his information, I'm, I told you, I'm dropping, dropping the, the links all in my, in my joint. He's you. telling you all where I live. Okay, if anything goes wrong and you don't like this podcast, <laughs> this guy's staying at the Marriott room 204. That's where he is. Right. How you like it? <laughs> I'm just playing. Nah, this is the undisclosed area. You don't know, this is one of 10 houses. Yeah, we underground. Saying? You don't know where we are. We're in Pasadena. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so from from then on like we like we covering a lot of bases, man, but like I want to I want to get to like kind of where where you headed? Where you feel like you're headed? Like I, I, I know I want to talk about your new movie coming out, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that yeah. will be um, in theaters nationwide. Worldwide. Woo! Worldwide. I thought it was nationwide. Yeah, see, see. He's flexing on me right now like Yeah, that's Um it's it's I'm honored. I'm very humbled to 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 see a movie. You know, a lot of us, like all of us, we're climbing all the time mm-hmm. that we don't take a moment to stop right. and appreciate milestones. Right. This is one of those milestones. And this I is just, a major milestone. It's a major this milestone, yeah. So it's pretty surreal. You got people sending me pictures all the time of like the ticket they bought at like a Regal or, any, or a, you know, Cinemark. I'm like, this is actually happening. This is weird. This is my movie. This is like, yeah, it's out there. You know? and so it's, it's a trip and it, it's 100% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. It's, 100%? Uh, yeah. From 100% critics. on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, yeah. It's not easy to do. Check it out. Check For it fact. out. Yeah. It's called The Retaliators. It's coming out September 14th, worldwide. Get your tickets. Go see it. Because I'm going to be in there watching my own movie. I'm so gonna I'm going to sit with you. y'all. I'm going to see it with you the day it come out. You come with me? Yeah, I'm coming. Or br- bring fact. the gloves. Bring the gloves. Yeah, cue the fog. I'm effects. Yeah, cue the fog, man. Cue the fog. <laughs> we need some fog, man. Cue the fog. <laughs> we need the effects back. Yeah. Yeah. You can't really tell what that is. As we walk in, we're going to, as we walk in, we gonna walk in with fog. We might have to ask somebody <laughs> following us with the fog machine. <laughs> Sam is in the building. Yeah. I just want you to follow me with that for the next like three weeks until the movie comes out. <laughs> until the movie comes out. I'm gonna walk into the cinema with this. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's coming out. So tell me, tell me some of the cast members that's in that because we got some, we got some heat in that. Yeah, yeah. Well, gosh, it's been. Um, you got some incredible actors and rock stars in the film because it's produced by uh, like real rock stars. Yeah, real rock stars, legends. You know. So the lead actor is Michael Lombardi. He's an incredible actor. He was one of the lead actors in uh, um, the FX show Rescue Me. Mm-hmm. If you guys ever watched Rescue Me about the firefighters, yeah, I watched Rescue Me. It was an amazing show. That was a crazy show. Amazing. What it was. The way on, it was shot. It looked mad real. Like yeah. I felt like I was inside it. Like when, when it was like burning buildings and stuff like that. It yeah, like it was insane. Me out. Like incredible work, stunt work. Um, Dennis Leary was the star, mm-hmm. and uh, Michael Lombardi was one of the firefighters, and he's an, a phenomenal actor, an incredible talent. He's also the producer, one of the producers of the film. Wow. Um, so he's, uh, and he directed some of the scenes too. You know, he's a nice. multi, like just multi-talent, so. You gotta be a Swiss Army knife in this game. Oh, this guy is yeah, a walking Swiss, Swiss Army knife, with, with, with a calm demeanor too, because it's difficult to, to do all that. Right. Anyone would go nuts, and he never did. You know, he kept his composure, and he, and he, and he made it come to life, so. I always uh, just want to give credit to to Mr. Lombardi because he's um, he's literally a, a legend. I think th- I think this uh, this movie is going to bring um, something special to him and, and uh, bring a new audience to him as a as a performer. Yeah, yeah. He really went deep. He dug deep on this. He one. dug he's deep. Different. He he went further than he's ever had before. So you got him, and then you got uh, Mark Menchaca, who was in Ozarks and The Outsider. Ozark is fire. Yeah, and this is an, an insane actor, an insane actor. So if you watch Ozarks, you'll know who Mark Menchaca is. Wow. Um, and then you have uh, Ram, K- um, excuse me, um, uh, you got, man, gosh, uh, uh, f- talking about all the rock stars in the mm-hmm. movie, you got Motley Crue is in Fire. the film, Tommy Lee is in the film. You got Tommy Lee in the film? <laughs> yeah, he makes a cameo in the film. Uh, Ice Nine Kills, Spencer Charnas from Ice Nine Kills Crazy. is in there. Um, Papa Roach, Jacoby Shaddix, the lead singer of Papa Roach is in the movie. As yeah, you're blowing my mind right now. He is insane. He plays an incredibly dark villain that is like haunting. It's Ooh, Papa Roach? The lead singer of Papa Roach, Jacoby Sachs, makes his acting debut in this film. And he plays a sadistic serial killer and it's not easy to watch. It's really hard to watch. So this is like one of the nicest guys in the world. What? An amazing rock star, right? And in this movie, it's like- I didn't even you know he was an actor. He's now starting to act. This is his debut. 
Oh, so you get to open up the door. You open up the Papa Roach door. Oh, man. Like, this is taking, like, audiences are going to, they know, everyone knows Papa Roach. And their music's insane. They're still pulling out great records. They're on tour right now. They're kicking ass. But his fans are going to see him as an actor now. And it's, it's mind-blowing. So I'm really proud of him. So, I'm excited to see that. I've yeah. seen some behind-the-scenes pictures, and I was just like, oh, you're, this is kind of crazy. <laughs> Before, like, you know, I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to. Yeah, don't, just, don't give no spoiler alerts no, on no this spo- one. You go check out like, the trailer. Watch the reta- go to the retaliators, theretaliatorsmovie.com. Check out the trailer. Check matter of fact, we're going to run the trailer on this, man. We're going to run the trailer. Yeah, just go we're check out the trailer. On this show. Luke 18, verse 3. Here's a parable about a woman seeking vengeance for a wrongdoer who victimized her and then escaped justice. But Jesus tells us when a sinner goes unpunished, he is only free from man's law. When man's law fails, God's law prevails. Mr. Bishop, Mr. Bishop, hold it. Mr. Bishop. Detective Sawyer, I'm sorry about your loss, Pastor. Don't think this was a case of road rage. Sarah was found with her hands zip-tied to the steering wheel. I'm acquainted with this sort of hurt. I know the futility. How'd you get through it? I got healed. How? I'm going to tell you about an opportunity I was once given, and I'm going to offer you that same opportunity. I've got the guy, John. How'd you like one minute? One minute alone. John, I want to introduce you to the man who murdered your daughter. It's time for you to heal, John. My only rule is you can't kill him. Count the moments. He stole from your Sarah. No turning back, John. You can't find your own brother. Look harder. This isn't you. You're scaring me. Daddy, you okay? Who the hell are you guys? Where's my brother? Come on! She fought harder than you do! If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, you know, I won't spoil anything else. Go check out the movie, but it's got killer rock stars, great actors. It's really a hybrid piece. It's a horror thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, How was it working with Tommy Lee? Tommy Lee is... Oh. <laughs> <Epic>. <laughs> I need to know. I need to know, epic, man. Epic, 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 uh, epic guy, you know, and rock star. And he's still, I guarantee he's still the active. cast, the cast people, was just, was, was people fanning out at any point at some of these rock stars? With him, stuff? always. Tommy's on another level. Just yeah. imagine all the stuff Tommy was doing. Legend, right? Day One of the day. best drummers of all time. You know, um, and then you also have Five Finger Death Punch. Um, so Five Finger Death. It's crazy that I know, but I'm a real hip hop head, and I know all these bands you talk about. They're like one of the biggest rock stars. I didn't even yeah. know. I didn't. I, I'm I'm a punk rock kid, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't know who Five Finger Death Punch was at the time when I came on this movie. I was like, oh, who are they? Bigger than Metallica right now. Like, yeah, they're crazy. One of the they're biggest crazy. rock bands in the world right now. Right. It's unbelievable. And, and all the guys don't know that. that. Most people don't know that. No. But they'll hear their songs and they'll know their songs. Yeah. You just don't know the name is Five Finger Death Punch. That's a fire yeah. name. Yeah. It's a, it's a killer name. Those guys are incredible and they're all in the movie. All of them are in the film. Yeah, that's Every sick. single one of them. The Who is, is, in, the ba- is, in, the, is in the movie as well. Um, they make a cameo. The soundtrack alone, when the vinyl comes out, the record comes out September 16th. Gotta go buy this record. It's got... All the rock stars. Oh, so they it. all did the soundtrack. You got all the rock stars. They all did the soundtrack. They, they all the did time? songs for the for the movie. So the movie is literally a, a an adrenaline rock and roll bloodbath. That's how I, that's how I'd like to say it. I'm happy that they're bringing that back. We need that rock. We need that real rock back. You know what I'm saying? And it's like that and, it's, and rock it's, it's on fire right now. On, on I guarantee you, y'all gonna hype all the old guys too. All the old guys are gonna want to do. You might get a call from Metallica like, "What's up, man? What are we doing? Retaliators too? Like, what's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, you never know. You never know when them guys are gonna come out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Cause yeah. that's a whole nother level. You pull that's a, that's like, I don't know. That's like like how how they do with these hip hop uh, shows and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Adding hip hop and stuff. I've, I've never. You're you're definitely gonna be an innovator. This this is gonna be. This is like an origin. It's different. We, with like like you know the produ- um Alan Kovac, who's the producer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the producers on Netflix's The Dirt. The yeah. Motley Crue biopic. Yeah, that that was a great movie too. By great the way. film. That's one. He's one of the producers, and this is his film. This is this is his baby. He's the visionary behind it. To be honest, because he's the one that brought film and rock and roll together. So, it's amazing what he's created. And then he just you know again brought a great camp together to mm-hmm. make a make a solid movie. So, it's it's not a, it's not an easy movie to sit through. It's yeah. like if you were going through like the most violent roller coaster of all times, with like blood splatter in your face the entire time. That's this movie. That's what I want to see. And then with like, I got like, I got with, I with got like speakers. On sometimes your ears. I like action. Sometimes I like Marvel. But sometimes I'm like, I want to see violence. Like this is next violence. level shit too. It's like, if imagine the roller coaster, blood, and like speakers just like nailed to your ears, playing rock and roll. That's, That's this crazy. movie. That's a very, it's a very uncomfortable movie. You know what I heard? But you know what I heard too? I'm gonna tell you a little footnote that I did hear. What's that? I heard you got some porn stars in that movie. <laughs> All right, turn off the right. Turn off okay, okay. the <laughs> There are some porn stars in the film That's during crazy. during an underground like scene. I won't spoil it. I don't no, don't spoil it. But like yeah. you know, there's big fans of porn stars. You know, people people like porn stars. People be yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some there are, there are some adult performers in in the film. I don't, I, if they made the final cut, I'm not sure because what we shot was pretty intense. Yeah. But they definitely came out for a day in Vegas and shot some really great stuff. And as a director. I always prefer if I'm going to be tackling subjects that have to do with that. Yeah. I always, not always, but in, 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 in films like this, I'll turn to the, that industry because they're professionals. But it's the both. But you know, sex and violence is hand in hand. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, well, you're working with porn stars. I don't know. Was it, was it, was anything real? Was I doing, is there anything you was directed? Did you, at one point, did you feel like you was a porn star director? <laughs> no, no, I wasn't on Boogie Nights. <laughs> Not on this one. Shout out Marky Mark. He hates being called that. Shout out Mark Wahlberg, man. man That's a great movie. One of the best films ever made. Um, um, but no, we, we, they, we, we were shooting this during COVID, so we really had to be Oh, careful. so y'all had the whole, y'all shot yeah. it in the hate, like the, during oh, quarantine? During quarantine, during like the mayhem, when everyone, when the world was collapsing, mm-hmm. we were, were like, 
swimming in blood making this movie. How did y'all get that? How did y'all get to still cut during that time? We still we made it work. You know, we found places that we were allowed to shoot. It was it was uh, being tested. We were doing the testing protocols, safety protocols. It was it was, it was probably your, your fucking nose was probably raw from COVID tests. Blood pricks and nose prodding. Oh, so they had you do the y'all y'all was getting y'all DNA. The blood, yeah, y'all had to do the DNS, DNA tests. blood samples, urine test. I felt like an alien that just landed <laughs> yeah. on Earth. I was like, we're here to make a movie. It's like, no, you're not. Probe. That's crazy. <laughs> That's fucked out, yo. But but we did it though. We it took it took a long time to make the film because of the because nah, of the process. Nah, that's why it's gonna do great. That's why it's gonna yeah. do great. Well, it's been it's been really well reviewed so far. I'm proud of the team. I'm proud of the the actors, the crew, everyone involved in this film from start to finish. It was a mountain climb, a very slippery, bloody mountain climb, but we made it. It's getting out in theaters. Go check it out. I'm excited and enjoy to go the see ride. It. Yeah, I'm thanks. excited to go see it. I appreciate man. the support, man. Yeah, let's go check it out together. Yeah, nah, I'm going to, and we're gonna document that too. By the way, when we go, when we check, we go check it out with my guy, man. Front row just, seats. Yeah, yeah you're gonna crazy. get soaked with blood if you sit too close. It's a very <laughs> bloody movie. It's crazy that you writing and doing everything, though, man. Like, cause I be feeling like that too, doing everything, like working every job and figuring out. Cause if if you don't work every job, how's it gonna get done? You start hiring other people, expecting them to do the job for you, and then it end up being not what you expect, and you get mad at everybody, and it's really just you. You should have did it. You should have tried to do as much as you can, mm -hmm. so you can lead by example to show whoever you, whoever you're trying to show. You know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. How it's done. So then it's easier to do it. You get what I'm saying? Totally. Like I, like I go through that all the time, bro. Trust me. For we, sure. We're very similar. We are. We are similar yeah. beasts, man. True uh, artists. Um, yeah. I also, before we move on, I do want to give a shout out to my um, to my co-director Bridget Smith. Mm -hmm. um, she was the first director that came on board and shot a lot of the dramatic scenes of the movie, and I thought she did a wonderful job. So I want to give her a shout out on the, on the air. She yeah. was she was great. We teamed up together to make this film. Shout and out to Bridget Smith. Bridget Smith, she's great. She's done a couple features as well um, that have been also released, and um, like just working with her. And you know what's crazy? Because of quarantine and because of the 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 way we shot the film. We never really met. We shot different parts of the movie at different times. So when you look at the film, you can always see like, oh, this is, if you were to know us, you'd know. You could see you the could dynamics see, of it, but yeah. but, but y'all together made something yeah. a whole. When you blend it together, mm -hmm. it, it created a really interesting, like, you know, um, just, <laughs> it was an interesting mix. Yeah. You know, and I was, I, was, I was proud of the result. So anyway, so that's what I'm saying. Hell of a team. And even Michael Lombardi directed some scenes. So it's like, it was a, a real, Incredible effort to make the movie during well, a really intense time, you know. Hey, that's beautiful things come out of turmoil. Yeah, you know what they say. Yeah, so when we when I was in Iraq, there was a soldier that told me that, and he was like, you know, the you know where the most beautiful flower in the world comes from? A pile of shit. For real? Yeah. I didn't know that. So it's crazy out of something so terrible, something beautiful can come from it. Right. You know, and going back to Iraq for a mm -hmm. minute, we'll travel back to Iraq is when we were when I was over there and I was fighting this war and I lost a lot of friends I started playing music because music is a big part of my life as it is yours yeah so I started playing guitar acoustic guitar in a tent just by myself just to pass the time and so before, I didn't notice I didn't notice you're about to find out and uh you know other soldiers in the base would like come in and listen they're like hey you play mm -hmm. fast forward a month or two later we have a band in the tent we have a bassist, we have a guitarist, we have a drummer, we had a um, synth, and we had a, we had a lead singer, and a, and a bass player. Like we had a whole garage band in a tent in Iraq. And when we weren't <laughs> fighting, on when we weren't fighting the war, mm -hmm. we'd, when we come back to our base, we would run and have practice every night. Y'all was just doing live. At any point, did y'all do concerts for the rest of the for the rest of the people? So we found out about a USO show that was about to go down. Mm -hmm. There was a huge show, thousands of soldiers, mm -hmm. and we were like, we should play. We're like, yeah, but we're soldiers. We're like, they're not gonna let us play. So we went over there and we were like, we asked, we signed up, and they're like, yeah, you guys can play. So we like stripped off our uniforms and yeah. we played in front of thousand soldiers as a full rock band, and they thought that we were a real band. Like and you're like, playing. yo, you don't understand it. I'm going inside the, I'm going inside the shit with y'all. I'm, I'm in the shit. I'm, I'm in the shit with y'all, and I'm over here doing songs for y'all, but I'm really in the shit, though. And I'll tell you this. You've never seen a mosh pit unless you see a mosh pit with a thousand soldiers all carrying rifles. I don't want to see that a type mosh of mosh pit. pit. It don't sound safe to me. A mosh pit with guns. <laughs> That's it was, crazy. Because I would split the audience and have them, like, 
crash into oh, each you, other. You them the, oh, I get them crazy. I have an alter ego on, on stage. I go nuts. I was the guitarist and singer of that band. And um, <laughs> my boy is a whole like he's a whole superhero. He's been he's like a full rock star and a full director, a writer, producer, creative director. He'll I, even sweep up the shit. He'll even sweep the setup too and clean it up. And I'll do that as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm also a Swiss, Swiss Army knife. He's <laughs> <laughs> a real Swiss Army knife. <laughs> but uh, we let we left that first show. We we won the USO talent show. Yeah. It was a crazy show, and then they thought that we were a real band, so they started like having us play for different, different bases when we weren't fighting the war to raise morale for the troops. It was unbelievable. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, we de I developed it, and it's officially a published book. You can buy it at Barnes and Noble or Amazon. It's being My developed. My boy got a book too, by the it's way. It's a book. It's a book. <laughs> he's, he's going crazy right now. Yeah, it's being developed into I a TV show. I know this is going to be my favorite. <laughs> my favorite one. This is crazy. It's crazy. If you if you're interested in the book, it's called The Chords of War, like Guitar Chords of War. True the Chords of War. Chords of War. Drop that in the. <laughs> drop that there. We yep. putting that. We putting that so y'all can go get the Chords of War. Go check it out. I'm gonna get the Chords of War. I like reading books. Go too. check it out. It's really it's really a true story about five guys who use music as a way to survive in a war zone. Every time we see war in film or on books, it's really about heroism and, and like fighting. But in my war and in reality, mm -hmm. we were 19, 20 years old. We were still kids, pretend, like literally in a sandbox, pretending to play soldier. We were fighting, but we were young. We weren't even legal enough to buy drinks. Look, as you're telling me this, all I'm seeing in my head is Dead Presidents. When I watched Dead Presidents and I saw the war in that. It's a that. great film. That, that, the, that visionary, like back in the day, remember when they showed Dead Presidents and they showed the war? I don't think yeah. they showed it in that brutal yeah. Form uh, yeah, like that. For you know sure. what I'm saying? Other than yeah. full metal jacket. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's the, the way it is, you know? So, my, my, my story and my book, half of the guy, uh, one of the members of the band was killed before we left. So, we had this final show. We played, and, you know, the, the helicopter came and took his body away, and everyone saluted. It was a beautiful moment. Wow. And um, so, you know, there's a lot of blood and tears on that book. Uh, I have a responsibility to tell it right. Mm -hmm. So, it's being developed into a show. And Graham Yost, He's one of my favorite writers of all time. He's an incredible showrunner. He wrote Speed with Shana Reeves. He's a showrunner for Band of Brothers with Spielberg. Wrote, uh, he created Justified, uh, The Americans on FX. Oh, this guy are. is a legend. He literally wrote the opening of the book. He loves the book. He, he wrote an incredible review and, and did an opening prologue to the book. He's a big supporter of veterans and my book. So go check it out, Chords of War. It's gonna be a show soon. This is Woodstock meets War. You're going to see on a big screen scene. You can see the billboard. It's not done yet. But you can see the billboard. It's like soldiers storming, but instead of with like rifles, we'll have guitars, drumsticks. We're like so fighting the war so with this music. Is gonna be something. You it's going to be something see? soon. It's in development. Oh, see, so y'all getting some exclusive shit. A little sneak peek. You see when you, see when you watch the Underappreciated Podcast, you never know what you're going to hear. You're going to get some exclusives. <laughs> exclusives, yeah. That's so, hard. Yeah, we are looking for good teams, like a good team to bring it to life because we pitched it to a lot of great networks, but... You know, like Oliver Stone, when he came back from Vietnam, he was a young kid. Nobody, he wasn't a filmmaker, he wasn't mm -hmm. established, but he had Platoon in his pocket and, right. he, and he wanted to make Platoon. Nobody wanted to give him a chance to direct it. They're like, who knows who you are? Let's get an established list. Mm -hmm. And he was like, nope, I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to wait. 10 years to the day, best picture, best director at the Oscars because he waited. And that's how I am with my book, The Courts you, of War. You got to just trust I him. have to wait. I could have given this to, 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 I won't say the networks that gave me an offer, right. but I was offered many times for my book and my rights and I turned it down because they didn't see the vision. And I have a responsibility to tell this right. Yeah, and you still don't want to, you won't just take the money just to it's get It's not it about the money, no. Right. It's all about the art. It's about the art and for the boys and, and the women that I served with, it's a, I, have a resp I, I, we as soldiers, veterans, we have a responsibility to tell this story, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to wait. I don't care if it, tell, if it takes 50 years, it will be made correctly. And I'm gonna be watching it, even if it takes Thanks, 50 man. years. You're gonna be, be in it. Oh uh, yeah, see, hey, like I get a vibe. You see what I'm saying? Like, you gotta be in it. I always, I want to bring all everyone that's ever been with me on my mountain climb are gonna are gonna play are, are gonna be a part of the the story in this in this in the show. That's gonna be it's so gonna be sick. An eight part miniseries of soldiers forming using music. I've never seen anything in like war. That. Never been done before. And this is a true story. Yeah, man, that's freaking awesome, though. Thanks, man. For real, for real, man. Yeah. This, this, this is so entertaining for me. Like, I never did. I, I've done talk to certain people, like creative people and stuff, and been around creative people in my life, but never like, cause I love movies. Like, that's like really my whole life. Like, yeah. I'm not really a club. I don't drink or smoke or anything me like neither. that. 
And like, I don't, I'm not like the party guy per se. I work in that because of music and stuff like that. But I, I really like watching movies, my, like I said, my whole life. You know what I'm saying? And then horror movies play such a instrumental part. Shout out to Matthew Hirsch for int- introducing me to you. Yeah. That's one of my best friends. For sure. You know what I'm saying? So I just had to. Where's Matt? My He's boy in the audience. Out, What's up, sexy motherfucker? <laughs> you get like, you get a Freddy clap. Yeah. You That's how Freddy clap sound like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That home, they're gonna be like, "Yo, this, this sounds crazy." Everyone else would be like, "Creepy," but Matthew runs towards it. You're right. Like, Ooh. <laughs> they think it's chains and yeah. stuff. You know, when rappers be having the chains on the booth, like, "Yeah, hold on, let me get, let me get my chain." <laughs> yeah, y'all heard that. Or... <laughs> you feel me? Love like, it, man. I appreciate you t- like having me on the on the show and t- taking some time to to to, to be with me, man. I mean, nah, because look, the guys that's behind the scenes. Mm. Are the scene. You see what I'm saying? Without the guys that's behind the scenes, it won't. Nothing will be created. You know. You get what I mean? Like, if if everybody could run off, it's it's just how life is. People would just run off with any ideas, and they not they didn't create anything. You know what I'm saying? So this is this is what I want to say to you on behalf on the underappreciated podcast. You are appreciated, my brother. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 100%. I had to do a Yoda. That's where that boom. Because, like, for real, for real, man. I mean that. It's not just because it's a show or, or, or a podcast and that. Like, you really, like, the coolest friend. Like, Appreciate I only you. got, like, I got, like, five. I got, like, a fave five of, of cool friends. And yeah. you, like, yeah. crazy. Like, when it comes to cinema... I'm just always gonna think about you. I'm saying all, all cinema <laughs> because right now he's doing horror films right now and stuff like that. For the people that don't know, he's doing horror films, but he could do anything, any type of film. Don't be surprised if you know in the next five years you see my boy do a romance film that just crushes the game because it's your mind, your mindset is just. You know, it'll be a bloody romance, but I'll make it. I'll make it alright. <laughs> he said it's gonna be a bloody romance. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make a romance piece, but it'll be a little dark. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the the dark pieces is the best. Piece. Right now, my 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 world is very, uh, 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 my cinematic space is very dark. I, I I tend to put my camera in behind the curtain and under the bed and in dark places. To yeah. me, that's where the good stories are right now, and that's where my interest is. I want to explore the dark sides, you know. Um, so I've been offered a chance to direct comedies and romance pieces, and I'm like, you know, just not yet. Right. I'm like, I'll, I'll warn them too. Like, them? you don't want me to do a romance piece for you. It's gonna be really unless dark. you direct it. Would you write them? Uh, yeah, I love writing all different types of genres. You yeah. know, I, I'm, I'm 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 a supportive of all genres. Like Kubrick, for example, every film he does is a different genre. You know, and um, and that's what I'd like to do. To me, that's a true master. So we have to, we come to the end of you know this this whole experience and adventure you brought me on. This horrifying adventure, by the way, that you brought me on. And uh, I just want to know about some stuff you've got coming up. You know what I'm saying? Other than, other than Retaliators. We already know about Retaliators. Yeah. Go see Retaliators. Yeah. But tell me about something that nobody knows about that you, you're working on. And, you know, yeah. I need to know that. Exclusive. Absolutely. There has been some exclusive um, uh, press that's already been, um, it's been out there for the past, like, few months now mm-hmm. of my, 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 my new feature that's in, in, actually, it's in pre-production. We are still looking for uh, for uh, investors to help us, but it is um, my baby. It's been a it's been a film I've been wanting to um, to direct for for, for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's currently eight, eight out of ten on the blacklist right now. It's like incredibly reviews, getting buzz already, and it is it is the true story of the car that killed James Dean and all the murders tied to the car after the death this is of an icon. Crazy. So yeah. this is like the this is like true crime, like true horror, true horror. I wrote an I wrote a, a, a narrative base in the early nineties mm-hmm. around about someone because the car the car not only killed Dean, but there are several deaths, up to twelve deaths, mysterious deaths after Dean. And the car so mysteriously still bought the car? People bought the car after Dean died? Well after after he died in the car, they took the wheels and they recycled them, like they refer, they refurbished them and put them on two racing cars and mm-hmm. both of those drivers were killed. Um, like when the, the body of the car was put in like storage and people tried to steal it mm-hmm. and it fell off and killed them. And it goes on and on. We can talk about all the mysterious deaths that happened with this car. This is a whole part two of the, of the show. This is, a, this, this is crazy. All right. This is insane. And the car has been missing since like the early 80s. And like it's never been found. So I wrote a narrative around who discovered it. And one man's obsession to rebuild it and the dark odyssey he takes on that whole journey. And it's going to be the biggest thing I'm going to do to date. So 
Um, yeah, we're looking for funding for that, man. We need that funding. We're looking for that. If yeah. you need, if you want to put, if you want to be a part of something that's fire, Thank you, thank you. We're, lo we're looking for another partner to come on board, make you, a, make, make you an executive producer. So we're ready to go. Here at the Up On Game, you know what we do. We support our veterans, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to my boy LeVar Arrington, you know what I mean? And you know, shout out to my guy Samuel. I don't know who he is right now. Somehow he left the set, but shout out to my boy Samuel. You, you got to see his movie, you know what I'm saying? The Retaliators is going to be crazy. I'm going to be there. I don't know what's going on. Oh, he's thinking oh, bug down. Oh, he's oh, bug oh. down. <laughs> <laughs> he's out of control. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 